Well, welcome to the uh, second session after lunch. My name is Jason Bachman, and you are here for the workshop Building Bridges to Disciple People Out of Poverty. I am thankful that you are the second session. The first session was dealing with food coma. So I don't know how well you're doing right now. Uh, maybe you're more awake because you had a chance to walk. Now, I will say this is probably the cooler room. We can open up the door and get some cool air in if we need to. But hey, either way, thanks for coming today. So, um, yeah. So has your, has, your, has your day been well? Been good? Good, good. The challenge at the end of the day is always, how much more information can I shove into my brain, right? I mean, because there's a little bit of, wow, we've got a lot of great stuff happening and a lot of great things you've heard today. And so, um, and so we're going to just talk about a super light topic of poverty today. And uh, wow, how about that, you know? Um, you know what? However heavy these topics are, however difficult the, these things are, guess who we have as greater than anything in the world, right? Right. So we can come at this with hope. We can come at this with the opportunity. We know that God is working in us. He's working through us uh, and so forth. So just get right into it. Again, it's my name is Jason Bachman. I have some colleagues here. Um, Jack Reisner, you might have seen him at the, at, the, at the booth. He's out there at our booth. And then my colleague and VP of our community events, Ron Showers. He and I have worked together for about over a decade. Uh, Ron's had pastoring experience in upper New York. Uh, he's probably met some of you. He actually, we came here yesterday. We were seeing people. He's like, Ron knows everybody, you know, he just knows people who are here and stuff. So, but we are here. We're happy to be here. Um, really cool to see what's, what you guys are doing as a district and a network of just coming together and, and just uh, being here. So uh, that's what we're doing. Um, just to give you an idea what our community events, I come from a community events background. That's what I do at Convoy of Hope. We do uh, a lot of things worldwide. We do children's feeding. We do women's empowerment. We do uh, agriculture initiatives. Those are our three main things uh, across global program. Then we also do uh, disaster response, U.S. and international. Uh, we do um, women's empowerment, we mentioned that, rural initiatives. Community events is what I've done for the last decade. It's kind of the grandfather ministry that Convoy started with. Um, basically, if, uh, first of all, let me ask you, how many of you have ever been part of a Convoy of Hope community event? Okay, four people, five people. How many of you, this is your first experience with Convoy of Hope? All right, well, I'm giving you a little background so you know, kind of know the organization you're, you're hearing from. Um, we've been, we'll be in existence 30 years next year. So we're 30 years old, and uh, Convoy started in the back of a pickup truck with Hal Donaldson and his brothers giving out a, a, a pickup truck full of groceries in a Northern California community. And from there, really the model of community events started where we do a one-day event, working with local churches, businesses, organizations, bringing in resources so that our guests can experience a day of hope. They can experience a moment where uh, they're, they're getting loved on. They'll get some groceries, shoes. They'll get some resources from the community. So that's kind of the, where I'm coming from in this aspect uh, of community events. Um, I had the opportunity, again, as you all know, God has a sense of humor for all of us, right? Yes, well, he decided that it would be a great idea to take a farm boy from North Dakota and call him to urban America. So, you know, if God can use a donkey to speak to a wayward prophet in the Old Testament, all of us have hope, right? He can call us to do whatever. But my experience when I first got started, again, when you're talking about poverty issues, I grew up in a farm in North Dakota. I wouldn't say we were, we had, you know, you had your classes, your upper class, your upper uh, income farmers. I'd say we were more in the middle. I never, ever felt that we were poor. I never, ever felt that. Um, looking back, I'm like, oh, we drove vehicles that were, you know, lots of miles on it. Hey, that's just normal, normal to me. Um, I knew there were some people in our community is like, oh, maybe they don't have as much money. They do, or maybe they're struggling with things. So I didn't, I mean, I, you could always tell there were some, some levels, but 
when I went on a missions trip to Chicago with a youth group in North Dakota, um, then I really saw what poverty was when we went to the projects, when we went to the housing units, and, we were, and I could smell the human waste in the stairways we were walking up. And, um, but I didn't really dwell on that as much as the, the thing that I noticed the most was is that people who we talked with who might have been in the worst living conditions were way more open spiritually than people I knew in my farming community in North Dakota. So there are some levels like, wow, where there's more of a need, there's more of a hunger for something spiritual. Where there's less of a need, there's less of a hunger. So we always had that thought, man, as people aren't interested in the gospel, they're just not interested, and you have to live out your faith in a certain way. When you get to another environment, maybe you guys have been on a mission trip, you see the same thing. You realize, wow, there's a hunger. People have nothing, but they have joy. You know, People have nothing, but they have you know, a faith in God that the richest person I know this is the grumpiest person I know, you know? It's like, so there's a dynamic there that, that from my background, this is where um, I've experienced. And so when I've done community events across the country, um, that's one thing we do address is we just say, hey, how can we bridge the gap to help somebody take the next step in their journey out of poverty? So today we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to go into a little bit more depth, um, talking about some of the dynamics, what you think poverty is, what the definition is, and then hopefully... What the, what the end goal can be is realizing that there are some really tangible ways that we can help people to build bridges to break through poverty cycles. And so that's kind of what we're going to aim for today. Um, mentioned I talked a little bit about Convoy of Hope. You know, Convoy of Hope started in 1994, Hal Donaldson and his brothers. I will say it started in 94, but you know how God's story works. I think God's story for Convoy of Hope began in 1969. Hal's family, his parents were pastors, and they were on their way to a board meeting when a drunk driver crossed the lane, hit their car, killed the dad instantly, and severely injured the mom. So in, a, in, in literally overnight, the Donaldson family was thrust into poverty. So trauma, poverty, but what happened next was the thing that changed everything because there was a family in the church, the Davis family, who was a family of four, decided to open their home their massive, spacious trailer, a 14 by 70 home, to six more people. Yeah, if you've ever lived in a trailer house with that beautiful shag carpeting, you know there's not enough space in there, is there? One bathroom, potentially two, two bedrooms, maybe three. So they opened their home, and they said, they made a commitment, we're going to walk with you through this process. So they kept, you know, they lived for a number of years. They, lived, they walked with them through this process. And it was the church and other organizations that came alongside the Donaldsons that made all this happen. Um, Hal had a chance to interview Mother Teresa years later when he really didn't want that much to do with poverty things. He's like, I'm finally getting to that next step. I'm finally getting to that place where I'm breaking out of this. I don't have that need anymore. When she turned the tables on him, as, an, as a journalist, you're supposed to ask the questions, right? Well, Mother Teresa asked Hal a question that he couldn't answer. She asked him this, what are you doing to help the poor and suffering? Yeah, Hal said, I couldn't lie to Mother Teresa, so I had to tell her the truth. I'm not doing anything. But that question changed the trajectory in Hal's life. And so that's where, again, God's story for Convoy of Hope was this. But I also want to say God's story for your life in helping people break the bondages of poverty, taking and, and removing cycles could be something that you haven't even seen yet. God uses your experiences. He uses our experiences to make a difference in someone else's life. And we're going to talk a little bit deeper into that because ultimately what poverty comes down to is the opportunity for relationships to make those bridges happen. So Convoy of Hope's history was that. Um, today, like I said, we're going to go through a few things. 
What is poverty? Really, uh, you know, again, deep, deep topic. Four broken relationships that really make up poverty. Um, outreach programs, can talk about the output versus outcome. Um, if you've been frustrated with outreach programs because they haven't met certain expectations, some of those things. Um, a personal plan. This is the thing that we're going to aim for. And I hope that when we get to this point, you can see that you have an opportunity to address poverty. None of us are here to eliminate poverty. We can address poverty. We can address apathy. We can help build relationships that make a difference. So I want to take the pressure off right away. We're not here to solve the world's problems, but I do believe that we will solve problems because of God's work in us and the opportunity. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. How about some questions to ask as we talk through the nitty-gritty of helping someone break some cycles? And then some bonus, if we get to it, we'll talk about a curriculums program that we have at Convoy of Hope. So where do I begin? We talk about poverty. This is a slide that we use when we do our vision casting meetings at a community event. And when we're doing a community event, like I said, we're trying to bridge the gap. We're trying to address poverty. We're trying to bring a day where all these resources can come. So I say this is... Um, one of the visuals that helps us understand a few things. World Bank did a study probably almost 20 years ago now, and it was a dynamic survey, excuse me, where they asked people based on their census information classification. So if you're upper middle class, based on financial numbers, what is your definition of poverty? And they came up with food, money, shelter. But if, as you can see on the right side, when they asked people who were in the lower middle class, or lower uh, defined by the poor, their definitions were radically different, weren't they? Shame, inadequacy, voicelessness. So when I show this slide, you're realizing what we're trying to address at a community event is just going to be a day that's going to help maybe address some of these things. But as we look to do compassion ministry and the opportunities to serve people at their brokenness, these are some things we do need to keep in mind. And we'll say, first of all, if we only address poverty by saying, hey, you know, if it's just food, it's money, shelter, um, versus understanding the dynamics of it, we're going to get burned out pretty quickly. We're going to get burned out. We're going to say, man, who can ever fix this problem? Well, guess what? There's not enough stuff we can throw at the problem because ultimately it's a broken heart issue. It's a broken relationships. So talking through some of these things, uh, you know, I don't know if, if what your experience has been uh, with poverty, but if you think about like if how we define it, will basically give us the definition of how we respond to it, right? You know, if you heard people say, well, if they could just, meaning if they could just do this, that would change things. Or if they could just give their X, Y, Z. If they could, we take that from, okay, maybe I need to adjust my definition. Now, hey, maybe we've all had experiences of that. Maybe we've all, you know, uh, whatever our experience is, we have a diverse room here. <laughs> We might have had experiences like, well, uh, I've been there. I've been in poverty. Um, might have experiences where I tried to help and it didn't work. Might have some experience to be like, guess what? I found some ways that relationships made a difference. So all I'm saying is we've got some diverse definitions here. I hope that we can kind of maybe narrow it a little bit so that we can realize that this can be, I wouldn't say minimized, but it can be bite-sized that all of us can make a difference. So as we go a little bit deeper into the poverty um, definitions, we talk about the four broken relationships. And you can find this, uh, When Helping Hurts is a great book. They have a couple versions of it. If you read some of these things, um, you know, your first thing will be, as you read When Helping Hurts, you'll be like, we should never do an outreach again. We just got to, hey, listen, right? You know, who, who's ever read that, you know, that's the thing. 
Um, that's not the thing. How about instead of either or, it's a both and, right? There's, there's opportunities for moments that turn into movements. Your moment might be your outreach engagement event. Your movement might be the thing that builds relationships. But if we're talking about relationships, if there's four broken relationships that happen as a result of the fall, these are the things. First thing was the relationship with God was broken. So how that could be manifested is a lack of belief or commitment to God. We see that, right? That's a result of the fall. That's a result of things that bring poverty. Idolatry. Huh, I didn't think of that. Some of the most successful people I know are the most wrapped up in themselves. How is that even possible? Well, actually, that's still a level of poverty, isn't it? All right, so how about relationship with others? Self-centeredness. Don't say anybody's name right now, but <laughs> you can think, I'm sure. It's like, well, <laughs> wait a minute. Maybe that's been me because I needed a Snickers bar one day, you know. Um, exploitation and abuse of others. Think about it. I mean, we have a, the video that um, the neighborliness workshop. There was a video. You probably saw it during the Super Bowl commercial where it was just the antagonistic. We live in a pretty angry culture right now. Antagonism as a result of the broken relationships with others. Well, the broken relationship with self. Identity issues. We have a lot of that. What about God complexes? Believing we're in control. We don't need God. We are the master of our own universe. We are the ones that control everything. And on the other side, low self-esteem. Nobody cares. I don't, you know, I have no dignity. I have no value. So you can see the spectrums. These are the broken relationships. The last thing is relationship with creation. Lost sense of purpose. Hey, holding a job, hard to do that. Uh, laziness, workaholics, unhealthy relationship with work, poor stewardship, use of resources. It kind of expands the definition of poverty now, doesn't it? Instead of just going from, hey, if you, if you lack financial need, things, you're in poverty, to, wait a minute, if we lack relationship, it expands it quite a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. So that's the poverty idea. Um, as we talk through this, uh, let's talk a little bit about just the outreach discussions. And this is on your, on your um, I think it's on your, yeah, right, the next page. I just want to make this a little bit open. So now we're going to talk a little bit about how we've addressed poverty. And so um, how many of you have had experiences, or I should say proximity to, people in poverty? Okay. How many of you uh, have felt like maybe I haven't had that many experiences with people in poverty, using him. Maybe a few. Okay. How many of you said, I've been there? It's a real deal. So if we're talking about some of these things, is there anybody that is willing to, to share a little moment or a sentence of what was your experience uh, with somebody in poverty? Anyone? So we're going to make a little discussion here because we need to keep everybody awake. So go ahead. You had your hand raised up. Yep. Uh, me? Yeah. Did you raise your hand or were you stretching? Uh, yeah. no, no, okay. No, no, no. Okay. Because <laughs> if you raise your hand, I may call on you. <laughs>
helping us. Uh, she's made minimum wage because uh, she was at a time when the women didn't go to college. You know, there, there was enough money to send the two her two brothers to college, not, that, not for her. Um, but I would say, so that was a financial mm -hmm. poverty, but I would say my father's death, especially because I watched him die, like mm -hmm. I watched him bleed to death. It was, oh, wow. I'll get into all that, but I think it gave me all of these other things. Mm -hmm. So my lack of belief or commitment to God, relationship with other stuff, all of this yeah. was broken. So it, for me, my mom's faith was intact, so I think she had the financial poverty, and we experienced that. But I also had all of this relational, spiritual poverty mm -hmm. going on as well. Yeah. It's complicated, isn't it? Yep. Who else? Yep. Uh, we adopted or took in from the foster system 14 and 16-year-olds many years ago. Today they're 32 and 30, and they still fall in those categories. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yep. Wow. Like, we tried. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. Great. Yep. Yep. One negative word can say a lot of things. So you had your hand raised back there. Yeah. Well, just switching gears a tiny bit with the same thing. We're understanding there's poverty really hits a lot of dynamics, doesn't it? So as church people, sometimes we think, sometimes it's just our natural thing. What's our first response to how do we help people in need? We think about, well, if we did an outreach, right? We wanted to do something. We wanted to go. And in my last session, we talked about strategically engaging your community. We talked about going into where you're, where's the hurting places of the city. So there's a lot of validity to identifying some things. But let me ask you this. Has there been an outreach where you were totally disappointed with how, it, how the outcome was? How many say yeah? Okay, how many had a perfect outreach? And, hey, it, well, we're still learning too. There's been outreaches that have been awesome for Convoy of Hope, and there's been outreaches like, you know what? There's still more work to do, more work to do. Can, do you, does anybody have a story or two of what did that outreach look like and why were you disappointed in the outcome of that? Go ahead. Yes. So how you were talking about Pastor Al. Yes. I'm with the same organization that he started. Cool, cool. So we had a big book bag, food giveaway, and then we um, they do the message of the gospel for kids and for adults. And because we didn't plan it properly, people came, got the food, got the book bags. Mm 
Sure. Yeah. So like they missed the best part of it, the caring about Jesus. Gotcha. Gotcha. So was there a relational aspect in that outreach event? Um, probably intended, but huh? probably yeah, intended. We had, yeah. Like, a lot of like community um, outreach. Mm-hmm. Not, not outreach. Agencies or. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, but it wasn't like we didn't we didn't have the impact with the actual families. Okay. Because it was just us serving bags and giving out book bags and then everyone on. Cool. How many of you in your outreach effort felt like our city or our community was different because of this? Maybe. Okay. Some. Yep. And it's okay if it wasn't. Okay if it was. Because there's a lot of things you can measure with that. Um, I know from our experience, sometimes the win for a community event has been churches work together for the first time in this community. That's a big win, right? Sometimes the big win is, hey, guess what? We mobilized 1,000 volunteers to come together and serve on this day. That's a big win. Sometimes the big win was, hey, this person in the connections tent who prayed with somebody got saved because they were able to connect with somebody who had gone through something they had. So there's some elements of, man, there's some awesome things. And then I'm sure that you've been at the point where it's like, well, we just did that outreach, and I can't wait to never do it again (laughs) because of the energy expended, right? Right? So if, if our only approach to poverty is by doing an outreach event, as you can see, we will totally exhaust ourselves, won't we? I said that earlier too. But what if, what if the approach was, what if we could use these moments as engagements to build relationships? What if we could use these outreach moments as ways to say, hey, how could we build relationships with our neighbors? How could we get to know our neighbors? And the neighborly, um, uh, I don't know, who was in the neighborly? um, Okay, we had a few people. One of the thoughts in that was when you're doing an event going to the actual apartment complex that you're trying to reach people in. So if you have little events, you can mobilize those easily, easily, because you're going right to where people live. So that's a great relationship aspect builder there. But, um, But the thought is, is if we're only using outreach events to address poverty, you can see where it can be frustrating, right? Because it doesn't feel like there's something transformational happening. Well, what if we could say by using and talking through these broken relationships, um, what if we could aim towards more of a personal development plan? Maybe we could talk about how we would use some of this cycle behind me, the relief, rehabilitation, development, as the opportunity and the DNA of what we do for all of our events. I'm gonna go through these terms. Relief basically is the immediate emergency relief to help somebody in need. So think of, okay, your house burned down, you immediately need everything, right? Somebody is food insecure and hasn't eaten for three days, probably needs something immediately, right? Um, I, I look at it when we do our disaster response. When a hurricane comes through, Florida, Louisiana, There's some immediate needs that need to happen. So we're there to do distributions, but our plan is never to stay there for very long. Relief is only seasonal, isn't it? So that's going to be frustrating if you're thinking this outreach event or this food bank or this something that we're giving away can change someone's life only because it's in the relief category, right? Now, hunger is always going to be there, right? If you do a food bank, hunger is always going to be there. But what if you could begin to develop some rehabilitation pieces where it says we're looking to get to restore people and their communities to the positive elements of their pre-crisis conditions. All right, so somebody's house burned down. Okay, we're helping them get to that next stage. 
um, maybe if somebody lost their job. You know, we had, a, we had a couple that came to one of our events years ago, and we tell this story all the time. It was a married couple, dual income earners. The wife had lost her job, and they got a flyer that said free groceries, and they came because the pantry was bare and they needed groceries. They came to the event, and the first tent that they went to, that time we had uh, job and career services with a, with a kind of resume development, and in that same tent was some employers that were hiring. So she went there, updated her resume, walked across the tent, got hired on the spot. If that was all they did, win, right? But not only that, there was a, a clothing tent at the right next door. She got a couple sets of clothing from Dress Barn um, to get to start a new job on Monday. And then she went and got a haircut. And this is where we found out about the story because the husband was standing outside the tent with tears streaming down his face, seeing God's goodness of how this relief, this moment of relief turned into rehabilitation. They were on their way to getting back to where they had become. Right? So if we could think through, how can we adjust all of our outreach efforts to start, maybe start here, but start moving towards here? Because ultimately, we want to see community development. This is a big term. So if you want to put it with empowerment, that's a little bit more manageable. If you're talking about personal empowerment, this would be what we're wanting to aim for right there. You know, I look at empowerment from a personal perspective as if you've ever coached before, or if you've ever taught any type of lesson, I've played drums since fifth grade and I've done some drum lessons. And so it's kind of fun teaching a person to play drums who's never really played it before or they played it a little bit, but they need a little bit more information. I've had to rethink, okay, how would I instruct someone to literally hold the sticks, how to use your wrist as a snap, not your arm, how to use the sound, how to, you know, increase the speed. Oh, and by the way, let's use some, your foot and your hand and all of those exercises walking someone through, but it's awesome to hear the difference. It's really no different in, in empowerment is helping someone get from that sound, so to speak, or that place to another level. And I believe that everyone in here has something God has given you that you've walked through that you can now share with somebody. You know, Revelation talks about any overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I mean, that's a pretty big deal, but you think about the word of your testimony, your story, you've experienced some pretty devastating things, right? God's going to use your story. He's got a story inside of all of us that can make a difference in someone else's life. And it can come down to that piece right there. Because if your story helps someone else's story, that can be the difference maker in someone else's life. So if we're looking at relief, rehabilitation, development, I know they sound like big academic words. It's really just a process. Relief will always be there. We're going to need to, you know, as Jesus said, giving a cup of cold water, passing out food. He fed 5,000. He fed 4,000. You got nothing wrong with feeding masses of people. But he also said, you got to eat my blood or drink my blood, <laughs> eat my flesh. You know, so there was, a, there was a call to spiritual action, of course. Um, but if we can move towards these steps, that's where we can apply it. So what if you could think about it? If our churches and our organizations could help break people out of the cycles of poverty by using and thinking through this thing. So every one of our events, every one of our outreach efforts, every one of our, our, our ministry efforts would look at, okay, God, how do you want to use this? Like I mentioned, some of our events that we've done... Um, you know, if this was the piece of the win that helped mobilize, we got to celebrate that. If there's things we got to fix, we will do that because we want to make it our guest of honor principle. We want our guests to experience everything God has for them at these events. 
But if you thought about how could God use my life to show a guest of honor principle for everyone that I contacted and everyone that I connected with, it just gives God the opportunity to work through you in such a powerful way. So let's talk through a little bit of this. You always want to have an end in mind, right? You always want to think, okay, if I'm talking through connecting with uh, someone who is in poverty or someone who has broken relationships, right? Let's think through. It's not just financial, is it, anymore? It goes a little deeper than that. But if there is in broken relationships, if we're talking about some goals that we could set, well, let's, let's talk through this a little bit. If we had a spiritual goal, salvation, discipleship, serving, I mean, I think we've had a lot of workshops on that today around here, right? From the church world. It's like, how can we implement new people into the life of the church? How can we talk about a salvation experience? How can we share that? That's an easy one for the church, isn't it? Right? I mean, most of the time, churches get stuck into only thinking, hey, if we get someone saved, everything's going to work. Everything's going to fix. Right? As you mentioned, the, 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 people that you, the, the people that you adopted and the cycles, there's other things to break, isn't there? I mean, how many of you the Lord's done working with you? Yeah, that's right. He's not done working on any of us. I mean, give it, you know, Pastor Al mentioned today in his workshop, I mean, we know he still has work to do when we drive in traffic. Right? Oh, the Lord has some spiritual fruit to develop in my life today because I, I just, uh, you know, showed an example of something else. So spiritual is an important thing. But if we talk about mental, what are some goals there? If we can have help people get some mental resilience, Right? some grit what if they can make it through a problem without falling to pieces what if they could help look at the problem in front of them through the eyes of jesus saying there's a solution behind it if they trust him well there's mixing spiritual mental what if you could get stability from mood swings what if you could get stability in your mental thoughts you're not up not down and i know there's mental illness there's things that professionally i'm not asking anybody to become a psychologist but there are all things that we can think through how did God help you as you thought and renewed your mind? Ultimately, it's about a renewing of our minds, isn't it? Renewed thinking right there. What if we talked about relational goals? So the fruit of the Spirit, we always joke about that, but that's a real thing. The more the fruit of the Spirit's in us, the better we're going to relate to everybody else, right? Some of you, we, we have an experience at our Convoy of Hope events where we talk about our guest of honor principle. And um, we say, listen, we want you as volunteers We'll just pretend. You're going to serve tomorrow at a Convoy of Hope event. Our guest of honor principle is this. We want our guests to feel like a million dollars. So we're going to practice not thinking about ourselves. So turn to somebody, and you can do this right now. Turn to somebody and say, it's not about you. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So we needed to wake up just a shade, you know, and some people are getting healed in the back there. So it's all, it's all good. But it's a joking thing, but it's a real thing. When it isn't about us, our problems don't look that big, do they? Sometimes people that are in the midst of these broken things, the, power, the, the problems are like a, just a mile high. But, you know, if we look at somebody else's issues, we look at something. So this is stuff that we can help somebody with. So family wholeness, eliminating dependency issues. I mean, we're talking, we're kind of getting on, oh, we're kind of getting into the, to the weeds here. But guess what? We live in the weeds, right? We live in the weeds. We're humans. And these are all issues of poverty that we can address. Other thing, occupational goals. Man, can you hold a job? Can you help someone with a job? Can you help them believe that they are worthy of holding a job? 
I've had someone in my life where I've, uh, you know, by phone, kind of coaching him through some things that he's been going through about holding a job, the fears he has about his job. And guess what? Sometimes it's just the encouragement that he's, he's got this job now. He's passed these tests. He's on his way. Guess what? That's a win. That's a win. And even if it's a job that he doesn't like or want, guess what? How many times have, all, have any of us stayed at the job for our whole lives, right? But it's a moment where you can start getting a financial health, right? Because you need a job. You need to get some dignity, some value. So taking it, again, hey, this may not be the job you have forever, but guess what? It's the job that God can use right now for you to help to get some emotional, or I should say some financial stability. So taking the wins there. Marketplace readiness. I mean, maybe you might come across somebody who is ready for uh, some entrepreneurial training. They're an automatic, they don't even realize it yet, but they could be a, a, a business person, an owner. You never know. This is where relationship will help. So, but if we talk about these goals from a holistic person, emotional goals, being healed from triggers. I mean, we could talk about that all day long amongst ourselves. <laughs> Trauma is real. Triggers are real. It's a real deal. How about being healthy emotional processing? Like if I am going through something, how can I emotionally process it in a healthy way? Boy, these are talking points that can immediately bring you to a level of relationship that breaks cycles of poverty. I hope this is uh, resonating with you that it's not just financial. It's not just throwing something at a problem. It is an actual relational solution that each one of us have an opportunity to address. Now, you don't have to address the whole person. I mean, if my physical goals aren't measuring up, I can't tell somebody to go work out when I haven't worked out in five months, right? But what if I could say, hey, my financial goals, I've been learning. I've been learning a few things. If you're one step ahead of the person you're talking to, you're a leader. If you're one step ahead, if you're two steps ahead, if you learn some things, you can be that person that God uses to help break cycles of poverty. So the other things I said, emotional, financial goals, healthy relationship with money, being debt averse if possible, budget friendly. <laughs> Some of us are like, yep, I'm going to continue learning about that one. That's okay. Uh, physical goals, exercise, nutrition, sleep management, stress management. I mean, these are just real life things. So let me ask you this. I want to do a little discussion. As I'm talking through this, how many of you feel like you have something to offer to someone right now? No, for real. Raise your hand. If you... Okay, now I want to know how many of you would be willing to share that, just verbally. Okay, you in the back there, sir. Yes. What do you have that you could say, this could help make a difference? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, after I thought about it, you know, I started really looking into what I could do to change my life. Mm -hmm. You know, then I met her, <laughs> and she helped out a lot. She, she's actually been a rock for me. But, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah.
cool. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yes. Because you have a pathway where you say, listen, if you just take a step, first of all, Jesus is the step for transformation. But there's probably things that the Lord is going to give you, say, just stop this habit. Change this habit. Yeah. So. That's exactly right. Yep. Word of your testimony, man, right there. Yep. All right. Who else wants to brag on themselves? I'm just kidding. That's not what we're doing, but go ahead. What's that word? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so everybody's awake. He says, 
says, I, I got to finish talking to you. So mm-hmm. we talked one more night, and I took him into the conference room, and he says, I says, here's what's going on. You're seeking God out, outside of, 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 of the perimeters of your perimeter. I says, just think of the word of God as just light. I says, when you step outside of that, I says, you're never going to find the answer. It's, it's just within your door. Mm-hmm. And yep. what, what happened was, <laughs> you know, this is how, how beautiful God works in all the space people in your life. He looked at me after I was telling him about the fall of mankind and, and how God had sent a, a Savior. And he says, you know what, I'm going to be honest with you. He says, I've talked to pastors, I've talked to deacons, I've talked to counselors. He says, no one has talked to me like you have. And see, they just wanted, they, you know, you don't have to get theology, you know, you don't have to get real deep. Mm-hmm. You just have to meet them where they're at and love on them unconditionally, mm-hmm. and God will do the rest. Yep. And he was changed. Yeah. So, but I just wanted to share some things. Who would know out of my childhood relationship, God would take the natural and move into the yeah. spiritual place? Yep, yep. Just how the Lord works, you know, how the Lord works. So, um. We're going to get to the plan here in a second, but I want to, I want to just say, do you see what we're doing here? Is we're looking at all of the assets that are present in this room. You. When we're talking about community development, we don't want to approach it from a needs-based thing, again, because then we're going to never end, right? But what has God given you? And so as we go into this plan that's on your page here, let's, talk, let's think through the first step. Is what is the first thing you personally can do? in addressing poverty. We just talked about this. What is something, we talked about, um, you know, just the idea of what is the easiest thing for you to implement right now? If you're looking at this, you know, holistic spiritual health, physical health, what is the easiest thing to you to say, I am good at this? Just go ahead and print it there. I'm not going to ask you what it is, but what am I good at? What has God gifted me? What has God given my experience in and write that down, all right? The second thing is, now, who could you partner with? We talked about collaboration in our community engagement, uh, but who could you partner with? One thing that we've encouraged churches to do is when we're addressing poverty issues is to do a, you could call it an asset identification. You could call it whatever, but it's basically seeing who in the community is doing good things right now that we could partner with? Who is doing workforce development? Who is doing um, mental health um, consultation, so to speak? Who is doing um, physical exercise information? Who, who is doing good stuff already? Is there someone in your community that comes to your mind right now or something that says, maybe our church, maybe I could connect with them and we could partner together in helping people. Because realize, we don't, we don't have to have all the answers, do we? The church doesn't have to have all the answers. We're not expecting every single church to say, hey, we can do something and we only alone can do it. That's not the goal here. But if we collaborate, I mean, who's, who's, a, who's a friend of yours that is an expert in something? Right? It's as simple as that. So the first thing is, what am I good at? What am I thinking through? Who can I partner with? The third thing is, is that when you talk about the ongoing education or investigation, it's kind of the thoughts of what keeps bugging me? What keeps bugging me that I could address? 
Maybe you have an interest, or maybe I should say this, maybe it bothers you when you see people that are suffering under financial duress. Maybe it bothers you when you hear about people who are unable to read. Maybe it bothers you about food insecurity. What bothers you? Write that down. This is part of this whole plan, you know. I mean, you're thinking through, God's gifted you, right? God's given you an ability. We'll encourage you. None of this is fast and overnight stuff. That's why we're kind of going through these pieces. We've got to identify what has God done in me? What has God given me the ability to do? What is the passion that he's put inside of me? And then the fourth thing is, back up and look at it, longer term. Yeah, again, it's talking, to, when we talked with the community engagement idea is what assets is God bringing to our churches? So I want to just say this, what people is God bringing into your life that can address some of these issues? So it's the asset-based development. It's the asset-based. It's kind of like who's the friend that you can partner with. But I also want to encourage you that down the road, God may bring you people into your life that you don't even know yet that you can partner with in helping other people. Then you might not have that answer yet. Number four, you might not have that answer for churches. It's a little easier because we're asking them, hey, who are the people in your congregation that can help with these community engagement? This is a little different because we're talking about the process of helping break poverty, the cycles of helping break poverty. But if we do it in these four steps of what, what has God given me? Who's someone that I can partner with? What, what's bugging me? And then how can we continue to develop these things? This fourth, this fourth step might be the person that you end up helping. Think about that. Think about if the person that you ended up connecting with in relationship and you had the conversations with them and you helped them break the cycles, what if they became someone who helped lead others to the Lord, who helped lead others out of homelessness, who helped lead others out of the financial brokenness, who helped lead others out of family brokenness? I mean, how many of you have come from family situations? You're like, I can speak to a lot of situations, <laughs> right? We've come from these places. So I just want to encourage you from this exercise, realizing we can break this down. We can say, listen, we can address poverty in the sphere that God has given us the ability to do. We look at our community events. They're on a Saturday. They're for four hours. We recognize it is a moment in the middle of a potential movement that God is doing in that city. We don't come in thinking we're going to start something. We know that God can use it to start something. Churches working together, volunteers being mobilized. But we also know God can use that moment of a community event to do something that's ongoing. We're just part of his process. So think of yourselves in that way. God's already working on other people. The Holy Spirit is at work whether we know it or not. And sometimes we think, boy, the Holy Spirit needs to work a lot more on that person. <laughs> well, he needs to work a lot more on me too, you know. But we don't know what his work is, what, what he's doing. But we can trust that he's going to bring us to a place where we can use the things he's put in us to make a difference there. So I do want to say, a couple questions when we're talking through this, and we've got, we've got a little bit of time. We've got, like, I think at 3.45 is our end, but I want to leave it open for some questions, and I do want to talk a little bit about a resource that we have. But when we're talking about re recovery, rehabilitation questions, these are specific questions that you'll want to answer. In what specific ways will those we're helping move forward through this process? We know we can't speak in generalities, right? What specific step 
When I was a drum instructor, I said, this is your assignment. We're going to work on what we call paradiddles, right, 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 left, left, right, left. And then we're going to work on combination beats, you know, so there's things that we worked on. You might have to get into those places of what can we do specifically that will help somebody. Somebody may need to be like, what I need you to do is to make three calls to schedule interviews for a job. What specific thing can a person you're helping do that? Or you might need to say, what I need you to do when you feel angry is I need you to count to 10, literally out loud before you make any word. Again, these are just real issues of brokenness that if you can think through what specific way can you help someone, that'll be super. The next thing is, this is the big kicker right here. This is always the thing. Are the people we're helping assuming responsibility in this process? You cannot want change more than somebody else does. So take that pressure off of yourself. You merciful people, this is hard for you, right? Seriously, it is hard because it's like, but we can do something to help them. And you know what? We're always going to do, but I just want to encourage you. They have to take, we have to take personal responsibility. I was also in wrestling for a number of years, and I had a chance to do some wrestling coaching at a high school in, in, in the Phoenix area. And I remember specifically, I was talking to two guys that were doing drills, and I was like, I forget what I said, but I'm like, you, you know, saying something about you need to do this, this move this way if you want to win. And the guy was like, well, what if I don't want to win? I'm like, then this is the wrong sport for you. This is way too hard of a sport if you don't want to win in doing this. And that's the exact same thing is that people have to want to win. Now, maybe think about this too. This is where mercy does come in. Sometimes when you're in the middle of so much trauma, you don't even know what winning looks like. You don't even know. You're just like, I'm hoping to survive. I'm hoping to make it to the next day. I don't, I don't even have a plan for winning. Again, God's going to give each one of you wisdom on, on knowing how to address that. But if we only operate in the element of relief, right? Hey, we'll just keep opening the food bank. We'll just do this. If nobody's taking responsibility and if we haven't surrounded them with resources, <laughs> again, frustration and exhaustion. And the last thing, are we creating dependence on us or the help? Sometimes that can be an issue as leaders because our significance comes from how much we help people. So take it from someone who, you know, been there before. You feel good when you help someone. There's an actual mental and there's, when you help someone, it is a good feeling and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you gain your significance on, man, I think the Lord will love me even more. Even though we all know he doesn't love us any more or less because of something we do. Sometimes that gets in our minds, though. If we create a dependence where we have to help someone because it makes us feel good, we're going to be harming ourselves, so, and we're not going to be providing the best help. So I just want to encourage you on those things. Those are hard questions. They're in your workbook. You might need to refer to them a couple times. Uh, this thing is also up on the schedule, it's the schedule thing that, that, that's there as well. So if you didn't get one for whatever reason, or just take a picture of it. But these are just questions that as you're talking through, what does this look like? Um, we can go from there. We got like 11 minutes, but I did want to, oh, sorry, hold on. There is a video. I do want to share with the video. This is an actual story of um, making yourself available for God to work through you. When I mentioned our connections, yes, go ahead. Hey, is this curriculum thing? Yes, I'm going yes, to go through that after the video. So, okay. um, don't skip it. No, no, don't skip it. I'm not going to skip it, but I do want to show you this video, and then I'm going to talk about that. Okay. If I don't get to the fullness of it, that is the thing that um, 
because we have it almost available, but you have my email address on your, on your, on your thing. Anyhow, a couple things. This is the end of the day, right? Of course, unless you want to get into early for those door prizes, but um, there's a video here again. When you're making yourself available for God to use, there's an amazing thing that's going to happen. And after this video, we'll talk about the Connections curriculum. So... And that's the mic drop moment right there. <laughs> that's what God can do through you. That's what God can do through all of us. So as promised, the Connections curriculum. Um, this has been a work in progress that we have developed over the last couple of years. Um, there's been a start, a stop, a start, a stop. We're editing it right now. This is something that we're making available to any and all churches and any and all people who want to use these. Basically, it's a 12-week process of helping an ally walk with someone through a process. Again, we want to make this available. Um, these, these things, living a hope-filled life, beginning the journey, how am I wired, emotional health, we're connected, who are the people in your neighborhood. Again, this is in your, um, in your you know, thing, the papers, the thing I can't pronounce. Um, God's design for work, talking about jobs, uh, building a healthy lifestyle, financial health, fruitful life, sharing the journey. Weeks 11 and 12 really talk about them, each person, developing a personal life plan. So it becomes not just theory. It says, how can we walk you 
walk with you through this process? How can we help you through this process? So we feel like this is just such, I mean, it's, it's a piece of curriculum among many. Again, if you've got something you're already using that's helping people, we just have, have seen from our guests' perspective, there are just so many dynamics of broken relationships that we've seen across the 30 years we've done community events. These are things that can at least address it. And then when I, when I mentioned you really only have to be a step ahead of someone, we're not asking for everybody who's got life solved to be an ally. It's just as your churches come together and adopt this as a part of what you do as an organization and what you do as churches, you can build up people from within your church to go through this. I mean, one easy step is if you get this, once we get it out live, if you take a core group of people through this as students, just say if it's five, well, guess who you got as five allies right now? Five potential instructors, five potential facilitators. That's the development piece, right? That's the empowerment piece. So those are just some things that's available. The action step would be, um, if you're interested, please email. If you need to take a picture of that, please do that. That is my email address. And when we get it live, what we're going to do is basically put it on a, a hosting site. It might be just Dropbox. I mean, where it's, you can download the participant guide, the facilitator guide. You can use that. You can read through that. And you can implement it as you need to. So that's just the goal right there. Um, I just want to say I believe that God, again, I've said it a couple of times, but God has a purpose and a plan for all of you in this room. You didn't show up today because you feel like, hey, poverty. Let me just add that to my toolkit. It's because you're here today because you've either gone through it, you've experienced it, you have a heart for it. And I just speak a blessing of the Lord over you and an ability to find, to have wisdom in dealing with all of these situations and, and an empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do something that you could never do on your own. God's going to give you everything that you need. God's going to help you. And we want to be able to come alongside in any way that we can, even if it's from paper and words on a page. But if that's something that helps you help someone else break the cycle of poverty, um, again, with John's and Michael's story, you may be that person that helps, that God brings to you and everything. So let me pray over you. I just spoke over you, but let me pray over you. God, we thank you. We give you glory. We thank you that you allow us to co-labor with you. I pray for every person in this room that your anointing would be upon them, that you would help them that you would give them guidance. I pray for their stories, that you would continue redeeming stories in their lives, that their testimony can be a redeeming story for someone else. We thank you for the opportunity to share these moments together. We give you praise in your name. Amen.